This edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Mr. Wrestling 2, John Francis Walker, who passed away on June 10th at the age of 85. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. This week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, as always. I want to thank you for joining us, whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Be sure to like and subscribe, and share this with your friends. On this week's episode, we're going to look back at the week of WWE leading into tonight's Backlash pay-per-view. What happened on AEW leading up to Fighter Fest in two weeks. And, of course, we'll look at the independent wrestling scene. There is a little bit of news going on, plus some news in the wrestling world and impact wrestling results as they gear up towards Slammiversary and decide what's going to happen with their world championship. All this and more when we return. Hey, wrestling fans, we have a brand new t-shirt that you're going to love to get if you're into comic books. And the Ontario wrestling scene, you won't want to miss this great design created by Nigel Lewis of NCL Studios. And even better, when you buy a t-shirt or a poster of this amazing design, you'll also be helping out a great charity at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. It's part of Stephen's wrestling journey, and we're going to help him get that money that's needed to raise for research. T-shirts are just $30. Posters are just 15. Check out our Facebook page or and email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com to make your purchase and help out a great charity and have an awesome t-shirt. If you enjoy podcasts and wrestling information like we do, join the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. We have all of Ontario covered, whether it's interviews, information, or event listings. You can find us on Shaw Style Podcasting, The Weekly Whisper, Straight Talk Wrestling, Thursday Night Throwdown, Gilmy Talks, Ontario Indie Road Trip, Knights of the Squared Circle, Ocho and Ortiz Podcast, Ringside with Chops, Stogie Mania, and the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Cross Ontario, we have you covered. It's the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. 
Join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and online at oiwpodcastnetwork.ca. Looking at some wrestling news for this week, it's kind of light, but we did start off with the fact that Mr. Wrestling 2, Johnny Walker, ended up passing away this past week. He debuted in 1955 under his real name, Johnny Walker, and was trained by Tony Morelli and Pat O'Connor in 1955. Um, As things went on, he became a journeyman wrestler and started being called Rubberman Johnny Walker and was mainly in the Houston uh, area with Paul Bosch. Initially, he had retired in 1964, but then came out of retirement in 1967 and wrestled in the independent circuit in Florida and donned a mask and called himself the Grappler. And that lasted until about 1972 when he changed his name to Mr. Wrestling 2. So in 1972, when he was in Tennessee working at a gas station and being semi-retired, Georgia promoter Paul Jones uh, had him return to wrestling and was under the mask of Mr. Wrestling 2. He was originally introduced as the tag team partner of the original Mr. Wrestling, Tim Woods, who also recently passed away. Over time, he ended up working uh, down in Georgia and became the Georgia heavyweight champion about 10 times and was one of the top draws in the area. He even became a huge attraction for uh, former President Jimmy Carter. At one point, he was even invited to Carter's inauguration, but could not uh, attend knowing that the Secret Service were going to have him unmasked. So he respectfully declined the invitation, but he could have been at the inauguration as a guest of Jimmy Carter. He became a mentor for Magnum TA, and they ended up winning the tag team titles in 83, but eventually the mentorship ended out of jealousy, and Mr. Wrestling 2 became a heel for the first time and feuded with Magnum TA over the North American Championship. Eventually, Mr. Wrestling 2 made his way to the World Wrestling Federation from 84 to 86 and was mainly used as enhancement talent um, So he, since he was definitely in the twilight of his career. He had retired finally in 1990, but for one match in 2007, he came out of retirement for Hawaii Championship Wrestling and at the age of 73, won the Hawaii Championship Wrestling Heritage Tag Team Championships with Mr. Wrestling 3, who was Steve Carino. So he had quite the long legacy of a career, multiple championships, and rest in peace, Mr. Wrestling 2, Johnny Walker. In other wrestling news, New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to return next week with live events without uh, participants or audience members yet, but uh, eventually they will be able to hold uh, people in their facilities a third of the capacity, which I think in Currican Hall is about 500, and I'm not sure if it's the Dome, um, is could hold about 4,000 people, 
and still have space around. So we'll see what happens, but they're going to start with a 32-man New Japan Cup, which basically consists of people from Japan, including the uh, best of Super Juniors, and because they can't use outside uh, talent to fill in the spots that would normally be taken. And the New Japan Cup will begin on June 16th, featuring heavyweights and junior heavyweights, with the opening round taking place over four events. So actually backing up a couple dates, um, they'll be running without fans on July 11th and 12th at Osaka uh, Joe Hall, and operating at third of the capacity uh, for fans. And then on June 15th, the card is going to be promoting Together Project Special and will be presented like New Year's Dash, where the card will be announced at the start of the show. So it's going to be Total Mystery Show, and that's where they're going to end up doing, I believe it's nine events over all the days in total. I would run down the card uh, for you, but I don't want to embarrass myself or um, butcher any of the names. But you can go to postwrestling.com and John Pollock has detailed everything that's going to go on along with all the matchups. So definitely check out postwrestling.com for the information for New Japan. A couple other hits include... An update on Elias with his injury angle from being hit by the car that was supposedly by Jeff Hardy on SmackDown a couple weeks ago. Turns out he actually is injured with a torn pectoral muscle, so he wouldn't have been able to be a part of the Intercontinental Title Tournament anyways. So this was a way of writing him out, plus furthering the story between Jeff and Sheamus. Edge recently did an interview with Ardo Cal of ESPN, and they talked about the marketing of the greatest match ever. And Edge was rather blunt about the uh, reaction to the tagline, and basically put it on Vince. It's his uh, promotional decision to build up that match that way, but he thinks it's probably a little bit overhyped. I uh, would have preferred not build that way. And, um, it's, it's a lot to live up to, and there is a lot of, uh, subjectiveness, like we know with Dave Meltzer and his seven stars here, and tossing out star numbers all over the place. The same can be said about what is the greatest match of all time. And so, if it doesn't live up to that tonight... There's going to be a lot of disappointed fans, and there's going to be, obviously, a lot of criticism for putting that tagline on there. So, yeah, a lot of pressure on Edge and Orton to pull it all out for tonight, which was already recorded, I believe, last weekend, just before uh, NXT TakeOver, and apparently their match goes about 35-ish minutes, much like their WrestleMania match did, so... A lot to live up to. We'll see tonight. Triple H did an interview after NXT TakeOver uh, last Sunday, and he pointed out a couple things with uh, Damian Priest. Uh, had star-making uh, night uh, in his match against Finn Balor. No update on what Charlotte's status with NXT is going to be after losing the championship. Um, they talked about Michael Hayes uh, cutting his hair 
and being Doc Hendricks again, just like how they brought back Todd Pettengill. And there was a very loud uh, refusal at that idea. So you could only imagine if Doc Hendricks had made a return at that time. And then Johnny Gargano, uh, his lower back and hips were feeling it after their match. And so he was being checked out by doctors. The rest of the interview you can actually check out on WD.com. And I believe Facebook had it as well. The last bit of news in WWE consists of WWE reshuffling everything going on backstage and is consolidating their two writing teams of Raw and SmackDown. Paul Heyman has been asked to step away from his role with Bruce Prichard taking over fully all the creative for both Raw and SmackDown. A lot of people are making a big deal of it. It could be... Major, we'll have to see how it uh, shuffles out. People know I'm a huge Bruce Pritchard fan, but I think they might be doing a little too much with Bruce, and I do think having two different identities for both shows needs to happen. At the same time, Paul Heyman will still be around to do his character, which at the moment is doing nothing since Brock Lesnar's not around, but I think this just is one of those furloughs that makes Paul not have to work all the time, and they're, as I said, consolidating everything to make it more streamlined so that they don't have to use as many people during this downtime. We'll have to wait and see what happens when things go back on the road and in what capacity that is, but Paul Heyman's still going to be around. Hopefully it's not too much for Bruce Pritchard, and hopefully we get some different flavor between the two shows. And people still get the pushes that Paul possibly would have given to certain people. Because we know that there were some Paul Heyman people backstage at Raw that he wanted to use. During this week's episode, Impact, we saw a lot of returns, including the North. Cody Diener ended up returning and helping his cousin Jake. And Scott DeMora confirmed that the main event for this year's Slammiversary on July 18th is going to be for the... Impact World Champion, and it'll be in a five-way match with Tessa defending against Michael Elgin, Ace Austin, Eddie Edwards, and Trey. Tessa hasn't been on Impact or anything involving uh, pay-per-view or that since the quarantine of COVID-19, as she's been stuck in Mexico with her fiance Daga. She had been scheduled to be defending the championship at Rebellion, but that didn't happen in the triple threat match with Eddie Edwards and Michael Elgin. So the four people who were involved are the finalists of the tournament that they tried to put on, and also the two guys who should have been against her at Rebellion. Impact also continued to tease some of the former WWE talent that were recently released, arriving at Impact. So we'll have to see if any of them actually do. Um, my bet is still on being Rusev, if anybody, since they record in the Nashville area. And I believe near the end of the show, they kind of teased that possibly Eric Young was going to be there too. So the, that name would not surprise me. Anybody else, maybe EC3, 
but I wouldn't pick up everybody that WD released. Before we move on to the results for AEW, Dynamite, and WD, just going to do a little bit of spotlight on what's going on in the Ontario scene, even though things are basically shut down. Check out Scott Hunter's page. He's been doing a promo uh, tournament. As of now, we are moving into the finals of that as Miss Becky is going to take on Chuck Bell. They both got decisive victories, two falls to nothing, over their last opponents, Alien Habanero for Miss Becky and Kyle Boone for Chuck Bell. So the finals are going to happen, I believe, starting tomorrow, Monday, uh, with the first round being released. Be sure to get out there and vote. It's simple. Watch their videos. Put a heart for two points, a thumbs up for one point. Support these guys. It's fun. Another thing you can support is Backyard Pro. They can be found at Backyard Pro Canada. And it is a lot of the guys from the Hamilton area all together putting on basically their version of Southpaw uh, Wrestling everybody's changed their characters up and they're having some fun tomorrow morning monday they are going to be able to reveal the date and time for back to the yard night one and in the meantime you can uh, check out how to support them and get some merchandise they have a pro wrestling tea shop with back to the yard commemorative t-shirts they have a gofundme page and you can check out their YouTube page. Back to the Yard Night 1 will feature Hot Shit Jay Wheeler taking on Mark Wheeler. The Rock, which is an actual rock, going against Psychotic Michael. And Detective Cookie Dough is going to take on Moondog. Those are the matches happening in Night 1. And Night 2 is going to have Barry Wire taking on El, El Gringo XL. And two more matches have yet to be announced. It definitely looks like a very fun thing to look into with uh, Back to the Yard and Backyard Pro. Support these guys. Plus, speaking of fun, if you're a follower of our TNT show, on Thursday nights, you know that we've been doing a Fantasy Warfare Tournament. Starting this Wednesday, you can join us for four weeks straight as we break down 64 of the top world champions of all time. Any promotion, we're going to break them down over the next four weeks, culminating in a fifth night on TNT, where the final four... The winner from each uh, bracket of 16 will be battling it out and determined during that show. So definitely stay tuned. Watch us on YouTube. It's Fantasy Warfare Tournament every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And for the next month, we're going to determine who the greatest world champion is. I know there's some people missing, but of the 64 that we picked, we're going to break it down. You can join us. And have some fun.
If you're looking for a great independent wrestling happening in our province of Ontario, look no further than Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube, and we run down all the great events happening in this province. Whether you get in a car, bus, or train, there's a show near you. Support independent wrestling and the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Let's take a quick look at the results from AEW Dynamite for this week. I can honestly say I was not overly impressed. You can check out TNT this past Thursday where Stephen, Chris, and I discussed everything that happened with AEW. Other than the opening match, which was a tag team match with FTR taking on the Butcher and the Blade, the rest of it kind of went downhill. This... Match, though, with FTR and Butcher and Blade really was a solid tag team match. We know what Butcher and Blade can do, uh, especially in the Ontario and Buffalo area, but this was a decent match. FTR picked up the victory. Afterwards, they were confronted by the Young Bucks, but then uh, Butcher and Blade came back to attack. Out came Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. And so we had the showdown between the tag teams all staring at each other. Eventually, they're going to go against one another. Whether they can hold it off past Fighter Fest or they're just going to shotgun it right at Fighter Fest, we'll wait and see. But yeah, the opening match was really good. Dasha was backstage with the Natural Nightmares, QT Marshall and Dustin. And they announced that next week they'll be facing the AEW Tag Team Champions Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. QT was still with Allie and Dustin uh, said that QT needs to get his head in the game. So they're still going to be doing stuff with that. I don't get why Allie is doing the stuff with the Natural Nightmares as opposed to still being with the Butcher and the Blade. But that's what's going on. There's a very sloppy, in most spots, but progressing women's division uh, tag team match with Hikaru Shida, the AEW Women's ch- uh, Champion, teaming up with Chris Statlander, the alien, going against the Native Beast, Nyla Rose, and Penelope Ford. Um, as I said, a lot of sloppy moments near the end, uh, Ford was able to get the Championship tossed to her by Nyla Rose. With the referee distracted, she hit Sheeta with the title and picked up the victory. So it looked like they're trying to set up Penelope Ford as possibly the challenger at Fighter Fest for uh, Hikura Sheeta. They showed a video of Darby Allen trying to get his head back in the game, and Tony Hawk was there. And he kept on failing to use a skateboard to get off the ladder. And it ended with him finally succeeding. Yeah. Uh, I think they can do so much better with Darby Allen, But this is what we're getting. Then there was a six-man tag team match with Orange Cassidy and Best Friends. Taking on the Inner Circle members Jake Hager and Santana Ortiz. Chris Jericho had actually been on commentating the whole first hour of this show. And... There was this spot where Orange was able to uh, finally get some offense in. And with an assist from Chuck Taylor, Orange was able to 
uh, roll up Ortiz for the victory. But that's when Chris Jericho got up from the commentating table and brought his baseball bat with him. Took his frustrations out on Orange Cassidy. Even brought out a 20-pound bag of blood oranges, which was appropriate since they cut open Orange Cassidy as well and beat him to a bloody pulp. And they left Orange Cassidy injured and sent a message, which is probably going to lead to Jericho and Cassidy having a match at Fighter Fest as well. Tony Schiavone went to ringside and was talking to Billy. You can't go by Billy Gunn now. And his son, Austin Gunn. And they were talking about the gun club. And that's when MJF came down and just took the microphone from Tony Schiavone. He yelled at uh, Billy and his sons. Billy tried to defend themselves, but Wardlow got in the way. And eventually it was announced that Billy is going to take on MJF. The Spanish god, Sammy Guevara, took on Boom Boom Colt Cabana in a decent match, but Colt has not had his head in the game. They're blaming his age of being 40, of him slowing down. Guevara picked up the victory, and out came the Dark Order, including Grayson and Uno, who've been able to come back. And Brody Lee came to ringside and offered his hand to Cabana, Helped him up, and they all left. Cabana just stood there, speechless, trying to figure out what's going on. And then, as he got to the top of the stage, he decided to take a left-hand turn through the heel locker room. He eventually was caught up to outside of the Dark Order locker room. Got asked what was going on. Instead, he knocked on the door and walked in. So, we'll see if Colt is going to be needing a refresher, and actually join the Dark Order. In the ring area, though, uh, Sammy Guevara ended up getting a microphone, and Matt Hardy came out. Sammy asked why Matt was there, and Matt went through a whole bunch of his different characters, all in the same take without any hitting. So he basically looked down, brought his head back up, and he was in a different era, doing Damascus, he was doing... Uh, Matt Hardy from Team Extreme, version 1. Yeah, he was just all over the place. Joey Janela had a vignette, and he was getting drunk. It looked like possibly in Vegas or somewhere. And as he started then wandering the streets, Sonny Kiss pulled up in a uh, car and offered him a ride. And they left together with the To Be Continued on the bottom of the screen. So we'll have to see what's going on with Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela. Alex Marvez was outside trying to get a word with John Moxley. Moxley uh, did take a moment to address his match with Brian Cage. And that's when Taz came out and confronted him. And Cage attacked Moxley from behind, beating him up in the parking lot. The main event saw Cody defending the TNT Championship against one half of private party mark quinn quinn was saying that his knee was fine but throughout the match he started having problems with it but then magically was able to do some perfect flops and flies so quinn needs to learn some more 
finesse on selling than selling for the moment and then hitting what comes naturally. It didn't work out so well. Um, the ending did see Cody retain the championship. And then Jake Hager attacked. He went to approach Cody, but then went after Aaron Anderson. Cody uh, tried to defend Anderson, and Hager ended up dropping an exhausted uh, Cody. Private Party and Matt Hardy came to assist Cody because the inner circle were all out to join Hager in the fight. And huge brawl. By the time it was done, Cody basically offered Jake a TNT uh, title shot at Fighter Fest. And that's how things went down on Dynamite this week. Like I said, kind of a weak show after you saw the tag team match with FTR and Butcher and Blade. But that's what we're getting right now. Um, so up next is the rankings. Yeah, and these are the rankings as of June 10th for all three divisions. Starting off with the tag team division, your champions at 7-0. Arkady Omega and Hangman Page. The contenders at number five with a two and two record are the Young Bucks. At number four with a three and four record is SCU. At number three with a four and two record is Private Party. At number two with a perfect five and zero record is the Natural Nightmares. And the number one contenders with a nine and three record is Best Friends. Trent and Chuck Taylor. In the women's division, the champion is Hikaru Shida with an 11 and 1 record at the moment. Number 5 with 3 and 3 is Penelope Ford. 1 and 1 record Yuka Sakasaki, who we have not seen for a while. At number 4, the injured Britt Baker with a 4 and 4 record. At number Two with a four and four record also is Chris Statlander, and at number one, the number one contender with a six and two record is the former champion Nyla Rose. And with the men's rankings, your champion is John Moxley with a perfect thirteen and zero record this year, and Cody is the TNT champion with a record of eleven and one. As for the contenders, at number five is Chris Jericho with a two and one record. Kenny Omega at number four with a perfect 4-0 record. Number three with 5-1 is Brody Lee. Number two, Lance Archer with a 5-1. And, and number one contender is MJF with a perfect 6-0. Those are your rankings as of June 10th. All of this is leading up to Fighter Fest, which is going to happen over two nights on July 1st and 8th as a part of a AEW Dynamite. Instead of a regular Dynamite, they're going to have two special nights of Fighter Fest with pay-per-view quality matches happening throughout the night. Uh, this will also happen at Daly's Place unless something changes. Currently, there's three matches scheduled. All four titles will be on the line over the two nights, but just like WrestleMania, we don't know who what matches are happening on which night. We will see, though, Cody defend the TNT Championship against Jake Hager. The AEW Tag Team titles are going to be on the line as Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defend against Best Friends, Chuck Taylor, and Trent. And 
Brian Cage is going to challenge John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. More matches obviously will be announced. They have to fill out two nights worth of action. So that's Fighter Fest happening July 1st and 8th. Hello, what is up, everybody? It is Ocho from the Ocho and Ortiz Wrestling Podcast, home to the best kept secret in the wrestling podcasting community. Our live podcast from Greektown Wrestling and Union Wrestling. We also discuss a lot of other things. WWE, AEW. Every once in a while we throw in New Japan and ROH. Be sure you're checking out our show. We are available on most major podcasts and platforms. Especially on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And our main source of uploading is Podbean. OchoAndOrtiz.Podbean.com You can also follow us on social media. At Ocho Wrestling on Twitter. At Ocho and Ortiz on Instagram or Facebook.com slash Ocho and Ortiz. We also do have a YouTube page, so be sure you're checking out our content there. Just search for Ocho and Ortiz in the search bar. Now let's get you back to your regular programming. See the stars of tomorrow being built today at the Tyson Dukes Russell Factory. Each week on The Production Line, available on Facebook and YouTube. Last week, WD had NXT TakeOver In Your House happen on pay-per-view, or the WD Network, should I say, last Sunday. And here's a quick rundown of the matches. Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox defeated Candice LeRae. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. I thought the other way would happen because of the feud need to continue with LeRae and Yim. That is sort of going to happen, but Yim and LeRae took themselves out, which then allowed actually Tegan Knox to get the victory and, I guess, close the door on her feud with Dakota Kai. Then Finn Balor defeated Damian Priest. This one could have gone either way. I had chosen Finn Balor to win on this one, so at least got something right. But Damian Priest could have uh, taken it as well and uh, upped his game to the next level. Keith Lee defeated Johnny Gargano to retain the North American Championship. Johnny Gargano had even used a key to lock the door of the set because the uh, front of the or the stage area, was the front door of the house that they uh, used years ago for the In Your House set on the first edition, and the first couple, actually, of uh, the concept of In Your House. So they had some fun that way, even though they could have gone through the garage like Mia Yim and Candice Array did, but that added to the story. Then there was a backlot brawl, with Velveteen Dream taking on Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. There was an Uber driver that showed up looking to offer somebody for a ride. Uh, Undisputed Era showed up and loaded the ring up with chairs. They were, though, chased away by Dexter Loomis. And in the end, Adam Cole ended up retaining his championship over the Velveteen Dream, continuing his reign as champion for more than a year already. Then a really quick but decisive win for Karrion Cross over Tommaso Ciampa. 
Chopper will still get a chance later on, I think, unless um, rumors are him going up to a main roster spot. But I know he really wants to stay in NXT. But Karrion Cross with Scarlet picked up a victory in quick fashion, established dominance, and this was a good physical debut for Karrion Cross to establish himself. Then the main event saw what I consider a surprise, but... You know, if you watch NXT long enough, it wasn't too big of a surprise at the same time. It was just surprising for me, considering the storyline I thought they were going to try telling with Charlotte and Rhea in the long run. But Io Shirai picked up the victory over Rhea and Charlotte to become the new NXT Women's Champion. Charlotte had Rhea in a figure eight and was about to get her to tap when Shirai came off the top rope and landed on Rhea. It broke the hold, and Shirai was able to pick up the victory by pinning Rhea Ripley and winning the championship finally. So that was NXT TakeOver In Your House, and let's take a look at what else happened this past week on TV. Monday Night Raw had Asuka come out to have her match with Charlotte, but that got interrupted by the new women's tag team champions, Sasha Banks and Bailey, And so all the titles were in the ring at one time. Then the Iconics came out. A brawl uh, ensued with after Charlotte arrived. And it became an impromptu six-women match with a uh, triple threat tag team going on. Somehow during the match, Bailey and Sasha disappeared. And the victory went to Charlotte and Asuka as they defeated Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. After the match, Charlotte took out Asuka and that established that they were still going to have their fight later on in the evening. They also had another confrontation backstage where Charlotte asked if Asuka took anything seriously when she came dancing in with the title. And as a result, Charlotte slapped her really hard in the face, sending Charlotte to her knees. So each of them got a shot in before their match in the main event. We had an update, non-update on Rey Mysterio. Rey basically said that he's going to make Seth pay, but he still has yet to get any clearance to return. But Seth Rollins later on, invites Ray and Dominic to come to Raw for this week. Alisha Black and Umberto Carrillo defeated Murphy and Austin Theory. They are still trying to defend the honor of Ray Mysterio. There was a backstage uh, segment with Randy Orton talking about his match with Edge tonight, and he said that he promised to break Edge at Backlash. They did another Anything You Can Do, We Can Do Better segment with the decathlon. And in the end, the score was tied five apiece. Uh, there were some interesting little tasks that had to be done, including flip cups and hurdles. Just more silliness out of these two, which hopefully will lead to a title match between them eventually, even though they're both uh, fan favorites. 
though at one point I did think that the Street Profits, because of Bianca Belair being by their side, were going to turn heel. But they also continued the whole Ivar's cute, Eric isn't, not so much. There was a triple threat match to determine the number one contender for Apollo Crews at Backlash, and Andrade ended up beating Angel Garza and Kevin Owens. There was some dissension between Andrade and Garza, trying to get the victory since they're both managed by Zelina Vega. Vega even got pushed down by the two, and even that distraction wasn't enough. But Andrade is going to challenge Apollo Crews for his U.S. championship that he lost. Bobby Lashley and MVP defeated the Viking Raiders. There was another confrontation between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, uh, both basically hitting their finishers to one-up each other. But Eric ended up having to submit to the full Nelson by Bobby Lashley to lose the match for their team. And the main event saw Charlotte defeat Asuka. But there was also some outside distraction and interference by Nia Jax as Nia is going to be challenging Asuka for the title tonight. Also at ringside were the Iconics and they were uh, distracting and eventually got into a brawl with Bailey and Sasha who were at ringside doing commentating. Over on NXT, Johnny Gargano and Candice Ray picked up victory over North American champion Keith Lee and Mia Yim. In this year with Malcolm Bivens defeated Mikey Delaney and Mike Reed in a very quick match. Then we saw Finn Balor defeat uh, Cameron Grimes. This actually has them tied 1-1 in uh, 50-50 booking as Grimes is the only person to have defeated Balor this year. Dakota Kai bounced back from her loss at In Your House with a victory over Casey Candizero. After the match, Caden Carter tried to rescue Casey from a beatdown from both Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, but they still got the best of both Carter and Casey. There was an in-ring segment with Drake Maverick uh, congratulating El Hero del Fantasma on being the new Cruiserweight champion. He acknowledged how his story kind of overshadowed what happened with the title, but he, all, Drake Maverick acknowledged that del Fantasma needed the same recognition, but also stated that he could beat Phantasma at any time if given another shot. As they were about to agree, two masked men came out and they were the ones that tried to distract last time. They surrounded the ring and as Phantasma and Maverick had their back to each other, ready to defend, Phantasma turned and towered over Drake and they all attacked Drake taking him out. The two masked men then took off their masks and were revealed as Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza, and those guys had apparently already been kidnapped. So they hopefully can explain this whole kidnapping and now siding with Del Fantasma 
But then Phantasma took off his mask and revealed himself to be Santos Escobar. The main event saw Adam Cole defeat Dexter Loomis in a non-title match, but then afterwards, Cole was given a little bit of a message from Scarlet from Karrion Cross as she brought out a hourglass, set on the ring apron, and turned it over, and you had the visual effect that there was only a matter of time before the glass ran out, and Karrion Cross would take out Adam Cole and become the new NXT champion. So that's how they ended up leaving NXT this week. And SmackDown this uh, past Friday started off with Sheamus demanding a urine sample from Jeff Hardy to complete his sobriety before I guess they had their match tonight on Backlash. Wanted to make sure he was clean. And so Renee was there. There was a curtain. There was doctors. And eventually the large beaker of urine got splashed in Sheamus's face. The New Day came out and uh, they, in their part of their entrance, they uh, did their kneeling and fist uh, for Black Life Matter. They took on Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, but lost in their non-title match. In a phenomenal, no uh, pun intended, match of Daniel Bryan against AJ Styles for the Intercontinental title, wrapped up the tournament and AJ Styles picked up the victory, earning himself his first ever Intercontinental title. Uh, Styles picked up the victory with the Phenomenal Forum, earning him the victory, and definitely something to go back and watch. There was a celebration victory for Bailey and Sasha Banks for their recapturing of the women's tag team titles, but that was interrupted by Alexa and Nikki Cross, but then they also got interrupted by the Iconics on the screen uh, warning the champs not to turn their backs. And that's when Bliss and Cross ended up attacking Bailey and Sasha, laying them out. And this sets up for their triple threat tag team match that's going to happen tonight for the tag team titles. The main event saw the Heavy Machinery and Braun Strowman defeat the team of Dolph Ziggler, Miz, and John Morrison. Baron Corbin had come out and started harassing Mandy Rose, which took Otis out of the match because uh, Corbin took Mandy backstage. But when Otis returned, he had Mandy by his side. So most of the match was a handicap match until Otis returned and was able to hit the Caterpillar for the victory. Um, probably would have reversed this match with the Intercontinental title match so that you could at least end the evening on a good note or at least a better match than this one. But that's everything that happened this week in WWE leading to tonight as Backlash will be on the WWE Network. Who's the greatest manager? Who's the greatest tag team of the 80s, the 90s, WCW, WWE, AEW, ECW, AWA, you name it, we're naming them on the Fantasy Warfare Tournament. Join Stephen O'Neill, Christopher Jones, 
Chris Maloney, and myself on Fantasy Warfare Tournament each and every week, Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. on YouTube. And we'll wrap up this week's episode with predictions for tonight's Backlash pay-per-view, which is happening on the network tonight at 7 o'clock with the pre-show at 6.30 with Scott Stanford and whoever his co-host is going to be for this. Currently, there's seven matches on the card. There's always room to add more if they decide to do more is better uh, philosophy, but we'll run down the seven matches that we know. Apollo Crews is going to defend the WWE United States Championship against former champion Andrade, who has Selena Vega by his side. Probably Angel Garza will also be interfering. Would not surprise me if, unfortunately, Cruz loses his title back to Andrade. Jeff Hardy is set to take on Sheamus, and this is probably where Sheamus will lose again, and Jeff Hardy will pick up the victory, though... At the same time, Sheamus does need a victory, but I think they still left it open that it might not have been Sheamus who framed Jeff Hardy for everything that happened. And Sheamus just still thinking that Hardy fell off the wagon. But I'm going to go with Jeff. Then the women's tag team titles are going to be on the line as the champions Bailey and Sasha are going to defend against Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and the Iconics. Now, if we were closer to SummerSlam, I would feel a little less confident in Bailey and Sasha retaining, but I do see them retaining on this episode and possibly still sowing some dissension between them, but I think eventually they're going to pull the trigger and have them against each other at the earliest date be SummerSlam. Asuka is set to defend her Raw Women's Championship against Nia Jax, and Lord knows I hope that Asuka retains. That's who I'm picking. I I just don't want to see Nia Jax as champion in any form. Braun Strowman is going to defend the WWE Universal Championship in a two-on-one handicap match against Miz and John Morrison. This has been more of a comedy than a serious title match. And Braun Strowman needs to just retain unless they want to share the title somehow, which, I don't know. I do see Miz and Morrison eventually splitting up and Morrison going to the main event level where he's definitely deserving and eventually becoming Universal Champion, but not tonight. Drew McIntyre against Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. This has happened before in Impact, and I don't know. I I see them wanting to have Drew McIntyre have that moment with fans cheering him on and being able to celebrate his title win, so it wouldn't surprise me if eventually they do switch the belt and when they're in front of people giving it back to Drew McIntyre, but... I see McIntyre retaining the WWE Championship. It's too early to take it off him. And Edge versus Randy Orton 
this is going to be supposedly the greatest wrestling match ever. Um, could be 50-50 booking and go with Randy Orton to get the victory. But then they have to figure out a third match with these two going at it. And when that will be, whether it's SummerSlam as well. But yeah, I'm going to go... Uh, even though I said Thursday on TNT, Edge would win. I'm going to go with Orton this time. And that is the rundown of everything happening tonight on Backlash, WD Network, 7 p.m. My predictions have not been great lately. Hopefully you have yours ready. Share them with us on our Facebook page. And have a great week. Thank you once again for joining me on this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I definitely appreciate your support, regardless of where you're listening to us, whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or anywhere else. Like and subscribe, share with your friends, and be sure to check out our Facebook page, where you can find out how you can help out a great charity with Sick Kids Hospital and Stevens Wrestling Journey. We have a t-shirt and poster for sale. It's a comic book cover featuring 22 stars of the independent wrestling scene here in Ontario. It was designed by Nigel Lewis of NCL Studios. And you can get your t-shirt for $30 or a poster for $15. Proceeds are going to go to Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. And you get an amazing piece of merchandise at the same time. So help out. Contact me on our Facebook page or email scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. So until next week, have a great one. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.